Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. friends. We are back with the next in our series of uncut, real, and raw interviews. As a reminder, I'm taking a little break from the usual fully produced episodes because I've been feeling kind of overwhelmed lately. But I had this group of interviews from late 2019 and early 2020 that kind of got caught in a time warp and never made it to air. So I'm sharing them with you in their unedited form. You get to hear all of the stumbles, long pauses, and meandering conversations that usually get cleaned up into a tight narrative in a regular episode. You're going to see a bit of how the sausage is made, if you will. And if you enjoy the sausage each week on this show, don't forget that you can go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to support my work. There is no charge to consume the main podcast or any of the audio extras at Patreon, but the show costs over $125 per episode to produce. And that's with me doing a ton of the work myself. So even a couple dollars a month makes a difference. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And you can find that link in the episode description on the app that you're listening on now. Okay, so in today's conversation, you'll meet Vin. She is a 22-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as indigenous, monogamous, bisexual, and married. She grew up in a Christian home and describes her body as chunky. There's a bit of background noise a few times during this conversation, but it doesn't last for long. I am so pleased to introduce Vin. Vin, thank you so much for joining me. I love it when people get in touch and say that they're listeners, and you did that, so thank you. I was really, I'm so happy to be here. It's really cool to be on here. I've also never done this before, so it'll be interesting. Well, we've just chatted for a couple of minutes before we hit record, and I can already tell you're going to be great. So. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. <laughs> so uh, let's start at the beginning where I start every interview. What is your first memory of sexual pleasure? You know, I was actually thinking about it before I listened to your podcast. I would have had a totally different answer. Hmm. But now that I have, i thinking about it. Um, I think I had to, I was definitely younger than seven, possibly between four and seven, but like, I can really remember my family was a huge, like movie family growing up. 
So like we were watching like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, all those kinds of things. And I remember, I don't know what movie it was, but there was a sex scene in the movie. And like my parents were like, they're like, close your eyes. You can't see this. (laughs) So they're like trying to like always usher us out of the room. And I remember I peeked and like, you know what? I was a bad kid. But I peeked and it's like, I saw that and it's like, it didn't bother me at the time. But then like later on, just as a kid thinking about it, I guess I just thought about it. It's like, I wonder what that feels like. And I guess I just tried it and it worked. I think I, I think the first time I ever did, I used a pillow and mm-hmm. I did orgasm. So you were humping a pillow. Yes. Yeah, so I don't think I would have kept doing it if I had an orgasm, but I don't explicitly remember an orgasm. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, you said before listening to this podcast, you would have had a different answer. What would your other answer have been? Well, normally, whenever I think about it, when I think about sexual pleasure, I think of like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Yeah. But if you actually think about it, there's so much that happened before I got married and so much happened before high school that you just forget about. So if I after, well, before your podcast, I think I would have said... Uh, with my husband when we first met in in my car. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. kind of bold. I, I wouldn't have done that. It's so shocking <laughs> to think of myself like that, but yeah. All right. Well, we are going to get there, but we have a bunch of years to get through first. So, uh, so you're in your little girl years, somewhere between four and seven, you're humping the pillow. And it sounds like this was something that you did repeatedly. Is that true? I think I did. I was thinking about it. Like, I think I genuinely did it like every night for like at least a month or so. Like it had, it was a long period of time. And I don't think I was actually thinking about anything. I think I was genuinely just feeling myself. Yeah. Which is weird for me to think about. Cause like, I remember seeing the movie scene But that wasn't what was running through my head. It was just kind of like me exploring down there, which was weird Mm. for me to think about. Do you think that there was any emotional baggage around doing it? Like you said that your mom said, don't watch this part. So did you have an idea that what you were doing was bad or wrong? I actually, I don't think so. Like my parents never really did the talk with me. And like, even before that, I was way too young to have that kind of talk. But I think it. I just... I don't think I ever hid it, but I had my own room at the time. And I think I was just hiding it like from my sisters because mm. like, it's like, this is my thing. I don't want to share with you. Go away. <laughs> Cause uh-huh. like I was so used to fighting with them for everything. I think I just uh, wanted to keep it for myself for as long as I could. Yeah. Were they older or younger sisters? They're older. I'm definitely uh-huh. the youngest. So that's interesting. Cause maybe they had already discovered it as well. Mm-hmm. Or if they hadn't discovered it, I know, maybe so you weird. as the little one could have taught them. Because <laughs> there was one time when I, I think I think my sister, I think I had locked my door and my sister came in on me or tried to come in on me, but the door was locked. But I was like naked under my, my uh, blanket. And she was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to sleep. Go away. <laughs> so I think I want to know if she knew what I was doing or not. But I don't know if she actually remembers that. Hmm. I'll be curious to go back and have that conversation with her. <laughs> Maybe in a couple of years. <laughs> it might be a little too much for her right now. So, um, so you were pretty young. What happened next? Like when, when you, you said you did that for about a month, you think, um, 
did you continue to explore your body after that month? Or was it just something that you put aside? It was definitely something I put aside. I think at one point I was kind of like, I think this is wrong. And I'm just going to stop doing it because I don't want to be immature. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to grow up now. I'm going to be a big kid. And I stopped. But I can remember going back and thinking, oh, why did I stop doing that? And then just starting back up again when I was older. But there was definitely a period of time between those two that I didn't even think about it. It just kind of popped into my head one day. How how old do you think you were when you restarted? I want to say between like... 10 or like 13, somewhere in between there. Like it was definitely Mm -hmm. before middle school, I think. I was definitely out of elementary school and I was under junior high, I think, which is like seventh and eighth grade, I believe, or eighth and ninth Mm -hmm. grade. Mm -hmm. And do you recall what got you back interested into it? I don't know. I think it might've just been like one day I thought about Mm -hmm. it. But it also could have been like a book I read because I was a nerd, <laughs> at least a book nerd. Um, it definitely could have been a book. If I had to sit, if I had to get, put my money on it, it'd definitely be a book. What kinds of books were you reading? I remember it's one book at least. There was a um, Gossip Girls book mm-hmm. that like I remember it stuck at my grandparents' house and there was one laying over there and it was like, I read everything. So it was like, uh-huh. that was not off the table. I didn't know what it was. And there was definitely a sex scene or something in there. Uh-huh. That might have not put it off, but that definitely encouraged it. Sure, sure. Just that sort of juicy, sexy mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. Um, and when you got back to it in your teens, it, it, I love that you thought as a little girl, I'm going to be a big girl and stop <laughs> doing this and, and not be so immature. So when you got back to it as a tween, mm-hmm. um, were you still thinking that this was a little girl immature thing to do? Or had you... Uh, changed your thinking about it? I don't actually... Mm, I'd have to think about that one because it's like, when I was younger, it's like, I was always being told. Like, because I was the smallest, my sisters picked on me all the time. So it's like, they're always telling me I was doing something wrong. So it's like, I want to say... Hmm. Can you repeat the question? I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, absolutely. I was asking about whether as you got older, your thinking about masturbation being for little girls and immature had changed. I don't think it changed until I was in high school. So I think it was just like, oh, I'm a big kid now. I can do this now. Like, at, like at the time, I didn't realize why I had stopped. But mm-hmm. I do, I can remember, I remember when I first stopped and why I stopped, but I don't think I remembered that at the time when I restarted it. Sure. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, I like stopped thinking about it. I was like, oh, I remember that being fun. I want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. And was it pleasurable when yes. you started up again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you were it having took me orgasms. a couple times to like get back into it, but I definitely kept doing it. So it, I guess it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and you were having orgasms? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what kind of conversation was there in your childhood home about sex and sexuality? Uh, in my home itself, like with my parents and my sisters, there wasn't really any. Like, my parents are very, I mean, they're very intimate, like, but I don't, I can't remember a time when, like, they just went off in the bedroom and like, okay, me and mom are going to have time by ourselves now. 
-hmm. but it was like my parents hug and a kiss. They still do like now, like, like, gosh, go get a room. (laughs) But (laughs) they, uh, they were definitely very, um, romantically attracted to each other. And that was always very obvious. And they always told us, we want you to, um, be in a good relationship that's romantic and it's not just like a meh relationship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't think there was ever like a sex talk until I was in high school. Like it Uh never came up Mm -hmm. and that thought was never there. I don't think I ever actually um, put two and two together that sex and masturbating or whatever I was doing was sort of the same thing. Yeah. I don't think I ever put those two together. It was just something Mm -hmm. I didn't. And what about, were you, how much older are your sisters? Uh, <laughs> math. Um, I think one of them is three years older than me. And the other one, is, I want to say seven or eight years older than me, but that math could be totally off. Okay. So uh, at about three years older and seven years older, your sisters are significantly older than you yes. are. Were you watching them go out on dates? Were you hearing them talk about boys or girls or sexual experiences at all? Not at all. Uh, oh. My, uh, I only learned recently, but uh, like growing up, we had no idea. But my oldest, my oldest sister is a lesbian, but she like over time like talked about like movie characters, mm-hmm. like that she was attracted to, but they were just always like big muscly guys. So it's like that was like her huh. obvious way out. So it's like that was never a real possibility with her and it never like connected like that. Sure. But I don't think my other sister, my middle sister was active until middle school. So for me, there was a huge gap between whenever I started and whenever I was old enough to acknowledge that they were doing something I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And even Mm -hmm. then, like we're a close family, but we're not close enough to talk about those kind of things, I guess. Mm hmm. Um, she should have, <laughs> but I don't think, I can't think of a single time whenever she came home and told us about a date or a boy or anything at all. Even now I can, I can barely even think of like three instances that she's brought it up, period. Huh. And what about your eldest sister? How did your family respond when she came out as a lesbian? Um, for me, I had finally learned about gay people and that they exist. So it's like, it was no big deal for me. because so it's just one more thing to add, a, add to the list of things that I now know as a grown up. Uh-huh. Um, but my family is very religious. Like, I don't want to say we're like, we're super religious. We're very cons- conservative and stuff. But my parents definitely took it hard. I know it took my dad a couple of weeks to get over it. And he, he couldn't eat very well. He, could, he didn't want to talk to anybody. It was very hard on my parents because just the way they were growing up, the way they wanted to raise us. Um, they just told me over dinner and they think they call it a joke because I was like so nonchalant about it. I was like, okay, can we go to Hastings? <laughs> um, but my parents definitely took a heart. I'm not sure about my middle sister. I actually have no idea how they told Oh, wait, they told her in a thrift shop. They were kind of like, oh, you know I'm gay, right? And she was like, what? You didn't tell us? So, like, my parents were definitely, like, the leading religious part. And I think that had a lot to do with how they reacted. But me and my other sister are not so into it that Mm -hmm. we didn't react the same way. 
So what kind of religious um, conversation was happening in your home? Where um, Did you get the sort of sex is sinful or did, was just sex never ever talked about either way? I don't think it was ever talked about until about, uh, I want to say until I was about a teenager or preteen. Like high school, I think of like, I'm a teenager, I'm a young adult. But mm-hmm. like preteen is like you're in between like being a little kid and a big kid. So they have... In my church, at least, they have small groups. It's like, we'll do a big lesson, and then we'll break up into age groups and then separate boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And our church took that as, like, this is your time to get together with your friends, your age, your sex, with an adult or two or three who know what they're talking about and to, like, kind of, like, influence you to, like, uh, find a nice kid, stay with that nice kid. Um (laughs) But it was never about sex. It was always about finding the right person, staying married, learning how to deal with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were just always afraid of like being inappropriate. But it's like, who are we going to learn from those even if we have nobody else? Mm-hmm. Where are we supposed to get this magical knowledge at? Right. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I still need that answer. <laughs> <laughs> So um, at what point did you feel like you were ready to bring another person into this interaction? Um, honestly, I, I was thinking about it. I didn't have a boyfriend, a kiss, any kind of actual intimacy with anybody until I was 18 and I met my husband at oh. work. So mm-hmm. it's like I had no like flirting. There was no going to parties and seeing people. It's like I came home from school. I did my stuff. I went to sleep and that was it. Like I didn't go hang out with friends or anything. I was just like a good girl. I knew not to go party. Mm -hmm. My parents were very trusting. So it's like, I never ever went out and did anything like that because I was very quiet, very quiet. And was that, that sounds like all of that was pretty much by choice. Like that was the way that you wanted it to be. At the time, yes, I really wish I wasn't that stupid, but <laughs> I, uh, I, it was definitely by choice. I was definitely in like a little anger stage when I just hated everybody. I didn't think I was fit to be with anybody. Nobody else was fit to be mm. with me. It was a very, I look back on it. I really wish I still had that aggression, but I don't. I really <laughs> need it, but I don't. And I, uh, I did have friends, like close friends, but it was never... I think I I can only think of one friend where I actually talked about sex with her and she was like flabbergasted that I hadn't had sex or I had talked with anybody else about sex. Uh Cause like she had been having sex and she was like, I don't even know how young, but it's like Mm -hmm. in school, like everybody, she's like, Oh yeah. So-and-so is going together. So-and-so is going together. I'm like, okay, I'm home alone. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was definitely kind of weird to think about at the time. And I kind of just brushed it off. But it's like, I always knew I wasn't ready. Like, I knew that, like, if I found somebody that I liked, I would go out and do something with them or even just hold their hand or something. But I just don't think anybody ever interested me. I was, I thought I was asexual for a long time because it was just Mm -hmm. nobody interested me. Sure. Which is like, is there something wrong with me or am I just waiting? Am I lazy? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So, um, through that time, were you yearning for something or was it not really that big a deal to you? I definitely 
like, obviously at this time I was masturbating, like I knew that eventually I would get to that point where I wanted to have sex with somebody, mm-hmm. but it was like, I wanted more of like a companionship mainly because I didn't have any like really close friends that I could talk to about that kind of stuff. So it's like at one, on one point I wanted a very, um, just companionship relationship. Like I wanted a best friend, which is what like I I found in my husband. Mm -hmm. I found a companion that I could talk to about anything I wanted. And that is what I wanted. But it's like with friends, you can always like, you can't talk to him about this or you can't tell him about this. You don't want to tell him about this. But at the same time, I also wanted someone that I could have a sexual interaction with or do stuff like that with, Mm -hmm. but that was just never an option because nobody stepped up, I guess, or I didn't step up. Yeah. So when you were a teenager, imagining this mythic person who was (laughs) going to show up, what did you imagine doing with them? What kinds of fantasies were you having? I know that there was definitely like car sex always interested me, like in the back seat, in the front seat, blowjob while driving, that kind of thing. Um, It was always stuff like that or like actual like romantic intimate stuff and like a bed, like being really close with each other. That always interested me a lot. Um, I did always like, I do like the idea of being dominated, but I just don't think that's something that I would have the capability of not retaliating to. (laughs) Because I mean, I'm not very aggressive, but like I can be like, if you threaten me, like I'll throat chop you. (laughs) But like... There, there were different things like that that interested me, but it was never something I could really actually think about physically doing. Mm-hmm. It was literally just like off in the back of my head in the fantasy world, like this might be a possibility. I'll think about this. Sure. Or, this might be a possibility. I'll think about this. Um, yeah. But none of that, I don't think any of it ever actually, uh, like manifested until I actually had somebody with me that I could possibly do those things to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to go back for a second to you. Sorry, uh, I keep to, jumping forward. This is my head. No, no, you're doing great. <laughs> um, to go back for a second to the idea that you fantasized about um, being dominated, but it's not something that you think you'd want in real life. That is totally normal. And that's that's to one have, thing I heard on your show that was just that yeah. really connected because there's so many things like I hadn't wanted to tell my husband I was interested in. Mm. But it's like, now I think I could because I have an actual way of putting into words like this interests me, but yeah. we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, but it could be part of your dirty talk with mm-hmm. each other if that's something that and that's, you do. that's like, something I never considered either. Yeah. Just those different kind of tidbits are like, holy crap, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. actually do that. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when we put away the rules that we've been taught about what we can do as nice, good girls. <laughs> and it's almost sometimes it's not even about going against the rules. It's like, that's there that exists. Like there was nothing there. It's like, it was just an empty fathomness that I, t- I didn't know existed. And now yeah. it's just chopped full of everything. Like, I love it. Crap, I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, so what was your relationship with your body as a teenager? How did you feel about your body? I definitely did not like myself. I like even to now, like I've gotten a lot better in how I feel about myself because I'm not near my parents all the time. Mainly, um, Mm. they always kind of, 
I know that they always had like their best intentions for us. Like it wasn't just me. It was also like my sisters, like they, I think my parents got into an overweight phase that made them really ashamed. So growing up, they tried to bring us up to be very healthy and make sure we didn't get overweight and didn't get embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But it was never like you're fat. You need to go on a diet. It's more like I'm, you need to be as healthy as you could possibly be. So mm-hmm. it was never like about vanity. It was more like they tried to bring it up around health. And it's like, it's not a big deal. Just do it. You'll feel better. So that's, I'm struggling with that right now. It's like, I could, like, I'm happy with the way I look. I don't feel as big as I am. I still feel like this is me. I still feel the way I am when I was in, or what the way I was when I was in high school, whenever I wasn't actually overweight, I just thought I was. Mm. So it's like, Now I can just eat healthy and I'll be healthy. Like I can make myself healthy, but it's, it's supposed to be about the health, not about being fat. Mm -hmm. But when they talk about it or whenever I hear that it's, they want me to lose weight rather than being healthy. And that's the way they phrase it is they just want Mm -hmm. you to be healthy. So you'll lose weight and you'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a complicated ball of knots that we've created in this culture mm-hmm. that that we've somehow finally figured out that it's not okay to tell people they're fat, but we still believe it's not okay to be fat. And so we phrase it as we just want you to be healthy, but then that turns into like health trolling and shaming people mm-hmm. for not being quote unquote healthy. Even what you're really saying is I'm fat phobic. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated. And even if people are using words that they think sort of subvert the narrative, what they're actually doing is propping up the narrative and, and moving it forward. Yeah, it's really hard because I know that they have my best intentions at heart. Of course. They, they, they want me to be the best I can be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're not okay with the way I am right now. And yeah. that's what I need them to be okay with. And it's yeah. just right now, it's just like not even an option. Because mm-hmm. my sister just had weight loss surgery. And it's like it was so successful for her and her weight loss journey that now – Cause I see my parents every day. Like we're really close, but we're not close enough to talk about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But now that they have seen the results that my sister has gotten from a weight loss surgery, they, they're like, they don't want to say you need to go get the surgery. They're like, Oh, have you seen how successful her surgery is? Yeah. <laughs> nudge, yeah, nudge. yeah. Like, yes, I got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, now they want to go get nose jobs. They want to go get boob shops. They, they just want to get everything fixed which is okay for them. Mm-hmm. But when they try to suggest it on me or my cousins, I hate that. It stresses me yeah. out so much. And it just makes yeah. my self uh, esteem just go all the way to the ground. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it is a really common experience, I think, for so many of us to have, like you said, your parents, they care about you so much. And this is all coming from a place of care. But we are so enculturated Mm -hmm. in this world of fat phobia, that it's almost impossible to pull apart the fat phobia from the caring. Mm -hmm. It's like, I I do want to be smaller. I know I'm overweight. But at the same time, right now, I just got off a birth control that wasn't working for me. I was Mm. depressed for a long time. And like, 
losing weight was just not an option. Like it wasn't yeah. even like on the forefront of my brain. And now, now that I'm off of it and I'm a different one, it's like a whole new world is open and I can finally <laughs> go do whatever I need to do. But at the same time, I want to lose weight, but it's hard for me to want to lose weight for myself. And I don't want to like, I don't want to give them like a self-satisfaction of them thinking, Oh, something I said made a difference. Like, no, yeah. actually it really didn't. It didn't help <laughs> at all. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would push the idea of exercise so hard that I was like, why don't you just shut up about it? Like, if you didn't talk about it so incessantly, maybe I would want to do it. Mm -hmm. But you talk about it so incessantly. Yeah. And it's like this thing coming down on from high that like, I'm supposed to do and I'm bad for not doing it and all of that, that I was like, yeah, screw you. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's like I did t-ball growing up, like that was like their intro into it. Like, I love t-ball. I loved softball. Until mm -hmm. I got to like those teenage years where it's like, all of these girls are popular. I'm not popular. I'm we I'm definitely weird. <laughs> but oh. it's like uh that I think that was also the time whenever they introduced uh a traveling softball team and like that was just something I didn't want to do with these girls that I wasn't sure didn't like me. Uh -huh. So I never pursued that as an option. And then after that option was gone, I didn't really have anything else that interested me besides like roughhousing with my sisters. Like there was nothing else that interested me. And that I, th I think it hit my parents kind of hard because like they went and got gym memberships for, I was in elementary school and I can remember my mom, like a month or so after me, the youngest quit softball and it was no longer physical exercise. She went and got a gym membership for her and me and my middle sister because my older sister was not overweight. My oldest sister was not overweight. It was just me mm -hmm. and my middle sister. And like, we were like, we were obviously little kids. We were kind of chunky, but it was mostly just baby fat. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, growing up with those kind of uh, influences, I guess, of like, oh, you need to be at the gym. You need to be exercising all the time and you need to not gain weight. It just backfired t totally. Yeah. But I can yeah. remember on like a Tuesday or so, my mom would take me and my sister and like, try to make it fun. And let's go to the gym we'll play on the balls, we'll go get the bungee cords. But mm -hmm. it just, it never really worked. Hmm. And it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So this is skipping ahead in the timeline a little bit. But how does your husband respond to your body? Um, I've definitely gained, we've only been married about uh, just over three years, four years. I got married when I was 18. and I'm 22. So mm -hmm. there's that four. <laughs> um, I've definitely gained weight. He's, he's never told me that I'm fat or that I'm, he knows I'm overweight and I'm very realistic. I know I'm overweight, but he's never made it or made me feel like that was like a deal breaker or a no go. Like mm -hmm. he might say, or if I ask him, I we're very truthful. Like if anything were to come up, he would tell me. Mm -hmm. um, but I ask him all the time because I'm self self-conscious that I might have done something. I might've eaten something that's pushed me past the breaking point. He's like, no, you're fine. Sit down and eat a cheeseburger. You're fine. <laughs> Which <laughs> is really, really nice. Cause it's like, thank you. It's not a big deal. And it's like, that finally goes away. But at the yeah. same time, it's like always in my back brain, like next day, is this okay? I'm sorry. Did I eat this right? Cause yeah. when we met, he 
was not overweight. He was, he was physically fit. Like he was going to the gym. He had big muscles, but like, since we've been married, he has, I don't want to say slacked off, but he's like not gone to the gym Mm -hmm. and it's kind of gone down. But at the same time, I've also gained weight. Um, so he's in a place where he is not the way he was. And I'm in a place where I'm not the way I was when we met, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But it's me trying to come to terms with that. He's he's there. He's always been there. But yeah. it's like me trying to meet him up here at this uh, such mm-hmm. high point <laughs> that I wish yeah. I was there. I totally get that. I so I've always had body image issues, and and when I went through my sexual awakening, uh, some of that sort of began to ease. But through this period of COVID and um, really just hardly leaving my apartment, um, I have gotten softer and bigger. And I was just having this conversation with my partner recently where I was like, I'm, I'm just feeling self-conscious. And I, is it okay with you that I've gained some weight? And he looked at me and he said, we are both going to get old and wrinkly. <laughs> He's like, I am too. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, That's the way yeah. it's going to work. And it's, if, as a young person, it's like, I don't want to think about that far off, but I know it's going to happen. So it's like, I know when I'm old, I'm going to regret all of this thinking bad about myself. Mm-hmm. I know it. I can just feel it. Yeah. But it's so hard to just get out of the routine of thinking badly about yourself. And I've done a lot of progress in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just can't get past that one point. Yeah. And you have these adorable dimples Thank and you. a little notch in your one. chin. <laughs> that was one of the things that uh, Kane first did to me was he came up and he put my dimples at work and was like, oh, we're going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like people, they always say, oh, you shouldn't lose weight. You're going to lose your dimples. I'm like, I promise you, they will still be there. <laughs> Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. 
It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So let's talk about meeting your husband. How how did that happen? How did it feel to finally meet somebody who who you felt that desire for? Uh, I think growing up in high school, like through my high school years, when I was like actively searching for somebody to connect with, and then I didn't find that person. Like after I left high school, I was in college for a semester, right? <clears throat> and um. I, sorry, I am, um, once I started college and I was in my job, I had a full-time job and I was a full-time student at a fast food restaurant and he had just started there, but like in the process of him starting there, I think I was like just graduating. So my first time I ever saw him was on my birthday, which was on my graduation day. And oh my then, gosh. <laughs> Like, that was the first time I saw him. I was like, okay, we got a new kid. Yes. And then <laughs> I think like a week or two later, uh, we had our first shift together because we were both in the kitchen. And we played music back there. And I was always first one there. So I always got first dibs. And nobody was going to fight me because they knew I'd beat them. But <laughs> um, I was playing music. And he saw it, frustrates me because he still does it to this day. He'll he'll be like, ooh, who um who sings this? Who plays this? What band is this? And I'll be like, oh, it's it's da-da-da-da. And then he'll be like, oh, well, why don't we keep it that way? Because I would always like sing. Like, I'm not a good singer, but it's like, I love singing along stuff. Uh-huh. And I was singing back there. And he was like, oh, who is this? And I was like, oh, it's Five Finger Death Punch. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be able to relate to someone about this. And then he was like, oh, why don't we keep it that way? And I was like, are you kidding me? You're new. You're not allowed to tell me that. Because I was, I was pretty ballsy back then. So it's like everybody got along. Like he was, like I was not genuinely mad at him, but everybody was laughing. It was funny. But I was just like, you can't do that. You can't make jokes about me like that. And then uh, I threatened to punch him in the face. It was a joke. But at the same time, like he didn't know that because he didn't know me. So he was like, oh, please don't, please don't. And I was like, it's okay, man. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. But and then uh, right around that time, uh, Pokemon Go came out, which is like an app where you go outside and you can like go follow things and like catch them. And, but it's like you have to physically walk around. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you work at a fast food place in a college town, you work with college kids. So at 10 o'clock at night when we closed, we all went to the local like park or whatever and like walked around this three mile lake <laughs> and uh-huh. for a long, long time. And uh so it was like three nights after that, we went as a big group and he was there and we didn't really talk. And then we did that several nights in a row with a big group of people. And then we decided we would drive around. And then um, he ended up getting in the car with me and it was just us two. 
because like we were carpooling, there's like two in here, two in here, six in here, 10 in here, whatever. Um, and then I was playing my music and we just started talking. And then like slowly, like 4am people would drift off and go to bed. But like we were <laughs> out, like, I think I didn't sleep for like three days because oh, I wow. think we were just out all day. And then I went to school and then I went to work and then we went Pokemon hunting. Huh. And, um, and did you know right away that you were interested in him? Yes, for sure. Definitely whenever I threatened him to punch him in the face, it was definitely <laughs> a first sign. Um, but uh, I think after like a week of driving around in the car, uh, he eventually like, ugh, it's so embarrassing. We were like pretend arm wrestling while I was driving, which don't do at home. But... <laughs> Like, I am, I feel so mortified because I didn't realize he was trying to hold my hand. Oh. And, and I was like, dead on. I was trying to arm wrestle him. And I was like, I got you. And I was like, I had his arm pinned down. And it's like, oh, oh, shit. We're holding hands. And it's like, oh, oh, my gosh. Yay. 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 Like, fireworks are going off. That's really cute. And then I think that same night, it, was, it had to have been like two hours later. We went and we parked at that lake. And then I think we just talked all night. And it was like, that was the first time I ever felt like I could actually like talk to someone about mm. anything. It's like, I don't know what it was, but like, I had never felt like I could connect with someone that much. And it's like, I told him something and then he told me something and then we just keep going back and forth. And then he asked me if he could kiss me. And I said, only if you say please, whatever. And um, we did. And then at the very end, I was kind of like, so are we dating now? (laughs) Because it was really stressing me out. (laughs) He's like, yes, we can date now. I was like, yay. And then did you enjoy that first kiss? Yes. I mean, yes, it was definitely. uh, I don't want to say wet. It was very soft. Uh (laughs) But at the same time, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't going to go out there. But it's like he had a little bit more experience than I did. I had no experience. But like mm-hmm. there's not much past that. Like he had like kissed maybe three people. Uh-huh. So that's not a whole lot for me to think about. But I mean, at the same time, we were both kind of like exploring someone we cared about for the first time. So we both went really slow-ish. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice. I'm glad I had a good a good experience the first time. Yeah. But I've heard so many horror stories from friends and on the internet and like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. All of you people went through this. I'm so sorry. But it was nice. So that was your first kiss. And how did things progress from there? Um, honestly, it progressed kind of fast. But for me, thinking about it, it didn't. But I know it was kind of fast. At least fast for me, person who's never had any kind of physical touch or whatever. Mm. Um, three, I want to say we did that. We, we, we would park after work after playing Pokemon and then we would go park and talk and kiss and then we talk and then we kiss. And then, um, I think I was in my old car. So it's like, it didn't have an armrest. So he was like, oh, you should come sit next to me. It's like, okay. <laughs> I don't think I can because I'm pretty big, but it's like, I felt really big in that car. And it's like me being self-conscious about how big I am. Cause I've always been told I was big, but like looking back now, I was not fat. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so frustrating. 
Because I genuinely, like, I remember he asked me to come sit next to him, as in, like, get up out of the driver's seat, pass over the armrest, and come sit in the same seat as him. Like, my butt's big. Like, we're not going to fit, man. And Uh I felt so, so ashamed that I was not some small size two girl. Mm, Yeah. That I I just burst into tears. And I was like, I can't do this. And he was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I was like, I'm so sorry. And then it just came out. And it's like, I'm not pretty. I'm not worth it. I can't do anything. Because it's like, Mm. I was a very emotional person. Like, I tried to, like, push everybody away through anger and, like, being mean. But I was a pretty emotional person. I just didn't want anybody to know. And it's like, that one point, I broke down. And I was in tears. And I was sobbing. And it was so hot in that car. But he was like, I remember he took my like face in his hands and he's like, you're very pretty. You're beautiful. Oh. You don't think that about yourself. And now come sit in the side seat with me. And we kiss and he t- we talked. So it was very slow. But then after I think I accepted the fact like within like 30 minutes that he thought I was beautiful, then we started kissing. And it definitely got heated up to where we moved to the back seat of the car in the parking lot at a lake in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, it was kind of in- innocent, but at the same time, it wasn't like, obviously we were kissing and touching each other, but like, there was always kind of an end goal. Like for me, I was just kind of like lazily, like picking off like, Oh, cool. I'm going to touch his shoulders. I'm going to touch his neck. I'm going to touch his hair. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember him asking like, can I touch your boobs? And I was like, okay, you can only go on top of the shirt. <laughs> and it's like, we slowly progress. And I, I genuinely think I asked him the other day, I'm like, cause I was thinking about it. Cause your podcast was like, do you remember if I orgasmed from you touching my boobs over mm. my shirt? He was like, yes, yes, you did. And like, interesting. Wow. wow. I kind of remember that. Cause it was like, I was so excited. I was ready to go. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I wanted to have sex. So I remember him asking me, like later on in the night, like, can we, like, can I go down there? And I was like, uh, no, mm. but, and he respected that, thank God. And then, but I remember like, I was so excited. I'd never been touched before. And he touched my boobs and I was like, holy shit. And like, boom, I can huh. remember that very explicitly, but he was very nice. He waited for me to finish. And it was, I mean, <laughs> it's the most you can ask for. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to proceed to below the belt action? You know, I think it was the same night. I think our was first it? kiss and letting him go in my pants. I didn't let him have sex. Like I only let him like put his hand under my pants with me still having my pants on, having my pants on. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it was the same night, if not the second night or the third night. But it was definitely within like three days mm-hmm. because within me orgasming like twice at least, like we had just connected so much. Like I remember him, he, he refuses to admit this, but I can remember him saying, I love you a lot. Will you marry me in the future? And I was like, yes. Oh, wow. So it, like, it's so mortifying to think about that. But like at the time I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I was not raised that way. I was not, I didn't have any of those kind of influences. But I was like, at the time, it's like, we just really connected both like mentally and physically. It was like, yeah, let's do this. I don't have any regrets. No. Mm-hmm. How long was it before you got married? 
Uh, we got engaged after three months, like actually engaged because we got a, uh, we both got the same job offer to go to the same place in a different state. Mm-hmm. And we took that. But with my parents being, with my parents being brought up the religious way and the way that they, um, uh, my mom got pregnant with my oldest sister when she was 17. So it was like in the middle of high school, they, um, they left their small town uh, towns and they came and like started a new life together without mm-hmm. other outside influences. But they didn't want us to go through me being pregnant when we're not married because mm-hmm. they knew we would be living together. So they're like, okay, you can go. Which I was an adult. I just told him no. <laughs> but <laughs> you can go, but you guys need to get married. And we were like, I was like, okay. We, we would, I already knew I was going to marry him. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like that was definitely the turning point. So I think we got married after three months. They're not married. We got engaged after three months. And then we got married another six months. Mm-hmm. I think. It might have been seven or eight. I don't know. It was definitely uh-huh. like we met had a kiss, had sex, got married all in my 18th year. Oh, wow. It was, I mean, it was pretty fast. And so you had sex before you got married. Yes. I, that was something else. I, I was uh, raised to not have sex before you were married, Mm -hmm. but at the same time growing up and like in a modern culture, I definitely knew that like if the right person came and I was ready, I was just going to do it. Mm-hmm. But I never, I never really had that person come along until my husband, which just happened yeah. to be the person I married. <laughs> <laughs> and so now you've been together for about four years. Mm-hmm. How has sex developed for you? How has it grown and changed for you? It was definitely a struggle at the beginning. Cause like before we got married, I had never had a tampon in. I hadn't really explored like the whole so it was like, that was always like a forbidden area. Like I tried, yeah. I, God bless me. I tried <laughs> to get, <laughs> get something in there. Cause I was like, I wanted to feel that like before that I'd only ever done like clit stimulation. Yeah. But I so desperately wanted to do that down there. I couldn't, I just, I, I guess I couldn't find it or I was too tight. I think I was just too tight at the time mm-hmm. because later on, whenever I was trying to have sex with him, it wasn't happening. And I was like, this is too painful. We're going to have to stop. And he's like, okay, do you think I'm just too big? Like, he's not huge. Like, he's totally mm-hmm. an average guy. But it's like, do you think it's just because I'm too big? And I was like, I, I think so. So he's like, okay, do you want to go to a sex store and get, like, a small, like, vibrator or a dildo or something to try out? So Good he man. did. I know. I I'm, like so, that. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, I mean, at the same time, he really just wanted to have sex, but it's like yeah, he did that's it in a, the right way. <laughs> that's a very compassionate way to go about it mm-hmm. rather than shaming you or telling you there's something wrong with you. He's like, there is a path forward and he chose the right path. He chose the right path. Because <laughs> uh, if, if I think that if he hadn't done that, I don't think we would be together. I mean, mm-hmm. I would like not... In the same way, I guess. Like, we definitely probably still would have gotten married. We still be, we would still be connected. But I don't think that if we had approached sex in a different way than uh, going to uh, a sex store and getting a small vibrator, it wouldn't have turned out the same way. 
Mm. It would have, I think I would have just tried to like push on through it. I'd have been fine. Cause I like, yeah. you know, during sex, sex is a pleasurable act. It's supposed to feel good. And like you, like in fan fictions, uh, erotic stories, all those kind of things. Um, when they're talking about virgins, they always talk about like popping your cherry or the hymen or whatever. So it's like, mm-hmm. you think it's going to be painful, but then later it's going to be pleasurable. So it's like, mm-hmm. maybe I just need to do that. But it was like, actually, I think I should just go slower. <laughs> yeah. And like, so how did that out. work? That the small vibrator and working your way up, how did that work for you? So it's like, I'm pretty sure we did me. I'm pretty sure we worked towards me orgasming before I worked on him orgas- orgasming. It was like, it was definitely like a month long process at least. Mm-hmm. Before I was ever, I had to be comfortable with me going and he, he wanted to get me to code. Yeah. Uh, so it, like for him, it wasn't important for him to get off. It was more important for me to get off and make sure I was okay, which I love him so much. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but so I never did anything to him, but for me, I, he had to learn how to, rub my clit the way I needed it to. Because at the same time, I'd only ever done myself from one position for the same position yeah. for whoever knows how long. So it's like, I only knew to get off by myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when you add an extra hand that's not yours, that you can't control, you have to do a lot of talking. And it's like, at the same time, if you're not used to having the same person every time, it's like, you've got to be comfortable having uh, straightforward black and white talk like bro you need to do this and this and this do not <laughs> do this that's frustrating because you're not doing it right he's like okay okay we took it really slow and he got to where he could rub my clit to the point not I don't I don't think he ever got to the point where he could even make it pleasurable for me so I think I just had to do myself rub my clit myself mm-hmm. and then he would slowly work his way with the vibrator to see like just like prod it, you know, like rub around it, make it sure it like it's used to something being down there, period. Not even just inside mm-hmm. it, just around the opening. But at the same time, we also explored anal play because like obviously this hole was not working. And mm. but it's like this other hole is <laughs> open and it's supposed to be pleasurable. So like, okay, he was like, okay, do you want to try this? And I was like, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. And with me rubbing my clit and then with or without like prodding at my vaginal opening and then like having a pinky or whatever in my butt, like mm-hmm. that definitely worked. And it's like, we slowly just kind of like, I actually, we thought about trying anal before we did um, vaginal sex because it just wasn't working and it was just such a slow process. And he's like, do you want to try this? Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah. And then we, so we went and got plugs and, um, tried that and I definitely did like the plugs Um, (laughs) because it was just it was a new sensation for me at the time it was like I'd never like obviously I was bigger so it's like I didn't even want to try and reach back there that's just too much work (laughs) but um, with having somebody else there was very I don't want to say helpful but it was nice to have somebody else back there trying to do something besides me Um, so that definitely worked but eventually we kind of just wormed the toy and I can remember and he was like holy shit I was like what what like am I bleeding what's going on he was like the toy is all the way in I was like no shit and I got it. <laughs> like we were so 
excited. Like it was like sex was like gone. Like that drive was gone. We were just so amazed. It's like I popped up and we popped up and we were hugging and we were like went to the bathroom. We're like, holy crap, it's in. Yes. I love it. I remember we went out to dinner and celebrated, but I don't think I I ever got off that night. We were just so excited that it was finally in. Something was happening. So, like, and that that vibrator was only, I want to say, like, four or five inches long. Yeah. Like, and, like, even then, it was still sticking out a bit eventually. But, like, um, it's just, like, it went in more than anything. Like, Mm -hmm. before, there was nothing. It would not go in. And now... We eventually worked it so it's comfortable, like something in there. So that was mm-hmm. so nice. So I think we just went and got a bigger vibrator and yeah. tried that. And then I think we tried him and was like, oh, I can do this. Yes. And then we finally so got did you, did you have to continue, like when you got the larger vibrator, did you have to continue trying it over time? Or once it sort of relaxed and opened, were you able to move forward? It was... I think it was the problem. The toy that we originally started with was about like four or five inches without like the little like handle button thing. Mm -hmm. And then it was basically just a flat cylinder. And then on the very top, there was like a nub, Mm -hmm. I guess. It was kind of like a very, very, very short L Mm -hmm. that was rounded. So that never bothered me. But on the new toy we got, uh, it was... Definitely larger, which was something I was capable of working with, but it had like, I don't want to say sharp ridges, but it was like waves almost. Mm-hmm. Not even like a soft wave. It was kind of like a sharp wave, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think the size was not my problem. It was just that was the only toy that was even remotely cylindrical and smooth. But it was like my problem was having to stretch even further and shrinking back down around right. that ridge. Yeah. It was just so painful. And I was like, stop it, stop it. Mm. There were so many times that it was just like, no, we can't do this. I can't do this right now. And he's like, okay. And then, but it was like, once we got that toy in, we eventually tried having sex and it worked, which was great. And have you been consistently able to have intercourse with him since then? Yes. Mm -hmm. For the most part, yes. I can't think of a time whenever... I mean, obviously there's times whenever we just just decide that we're not into it or it's not working whatever but i don't think there's ever been an actual problem having sex until we actually tried having a successful anal and that was not fun (laughs) so full anal intercourse you mean yes sorry and that didn't work for you uh it did like if we can do it very rarely now unless i'm if i'm not in the mood we're not doing it (laughs) Mm because it's just not gonna work but if if I'm in the mood and he's in the mood, he's always in the mood for anal. But it's like, <laughs> do we have time? Whatever. It definitely is more physically demanding for me than vaginal sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely a princess. I tr- I try to I try to be more outgoing, but most of the time I'm just on my back. Um, yeah. But for me, because I'm so used, to, like. Part of the reason I'm always on my back is because I'm so uncomfortable with my body. And it's like, I feel too big mm-hmm. to be doing other things than being on my back. And most of the time he doesn't play. But with anal, most of the time it's easiest to do it in like a doggy position. Mm-hmm. And 
just being in that position where I'm not able to face him. That was a struggle because it's like I was always like trying to turn my back and look at him. Because like <laughs> I needed that mental support. I needed his eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first time we tried it, I was like, can't, we can't do this. Not unless I'm looking at you. And so it's like way back here trying to get him <laughs> to look at me. But eventually we, we finally got to the point where we can. It's just way more demanding than normal sex yeah. is. Do you enjoy the sex life that the two of you have together? Yeah, I mean, I since listening, to, I, if you had asked me before your podcast, I said yes. But it's like at the same time, I also didn't know that some options were explorable and like not what? What, not not thought of as like weird or too out there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that I've listened to your podcast and I've listened to other women talk about it, it's like. These things that I've read about that I just thought were like, oh, this is so out there. I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could do that. Now I feel like I can. And it's open more windows. So it's like now I'm trying to get him to like, because like he's before he's always been like, okay, let's have sex. And it was never me. But now it's me being, okay, let's have sex in this way. And let's try this. And then he'd be like, no, we just did it yesterday. <laughs> it's like now he thinks I'm some kind of sex fiend. I'm like, <laughs> the roles are in reverse. This is such karma. So what kinds of things do you want to try? Um, I actually, I, I looked at your checklist and I was like, oh, I've never thought about that. Never thought about that either. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. The one thing that has really interested me that I've tried to like hint it at him. I guess I'm just going to have to sit him down and be like, hey, we're going to try this. Um, whenever... Either he is not into it or I am not into it. Just being there and being supportive and like maybe like sh- sh- rubbing your shoulders or something while you while I get myself off or he gets himself off. Mm-hmm. So we're there. We're being supportive. We just don't have to put that energy into, I guess, connecting in that way. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'd like to try that because normally if we if one of us wants to, but the other one doesn't, either one of us will get in or we just yeah. won't have it. Mm-hmm. Which for him, he normally just wants to have me there because I am like his sexual thing. Like he thinks of me sexual and like romantically, but like he wants me there. But at the same time, if I don't want to be there at that time, he just doesn't want it if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. But because for him, there's, I mean, he could go get like a flashlight or something. And it might work for him, but he's just not interested in trying that if I'm an option, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'd like to be there for him in that way without him having to get, so I would love for him to get it and try it at the very least. But yeah. if I'm there, he doesn't want to have to do that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm different. Like I more than, I think it's more that I just want his attention period, not even just sexual attention. So it's like, for me, I can just go get a vibrator I could do myself in bed for like, it only takes me like three minutes, I guess, if I really wanted Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really just want to be able to have that with him because he's, he definitely gets rejected more than I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But that, and I don't know. I can't think of anything else. I mean, there are other things. I just can't think of them. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd always thought of role play and stuff, but I just don't think that's something that we would be able to achieve right now. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I wouldn't mind exploring it, but I just don't think he is in a spot right now where he wants to. He's kind of content with just the way things are right now. Yeah. Which is frustrating because I was like, I want to explore now that I have that door open. <laughs> and it's like, he's just shutting that door. I'm like, okay, can we knock on that door tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions or concerns about your sex life? Um. Not really. You know what? I've always been concerned, not concerned. I've been like wondering because it's like, I don't have people in my life to talk about this kind of stuff with, at least that are not like bigger like me. So it's like on my body, my number one feature that I'm uncomfortable with is like my lower fat roll, Mm -hmm. which is like right there in the middle. And, um, that always makes me the most self-conscious. I'm like wondering if people do anything to like counteract that whenever they are having sex, like if they are larger and they're more like aggressive, I don't want to say aggressive, more like dominant and mm-hmm. they're on top. Do they do anything to like have that not bother them? So there's a great book that I would highly recommend for you. It's called curvy girl sex. And it is specifically written by a larger woman for larger women about how to use your body during sex so that it's pleasurable so that you get to do lots of different things. And so that you get to work around the body that you have rather than trying to change your body or be ashamed of it. You can only Google so many things and get so many good answers. Yes. (laughs) I I read a lot, or at least I used to. It's like, I can listen to any kind of audio book. I can, I can read any physical book, but it's like, I have to actually find the good source of information yeah. And it, that's hard, especially for, I mean, nowadays it's way more uh, accessible than it was. I feel like when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but like, I wish I had those kind of resources that, they, that kids nowadays have than when I was yeah. a kid. Like it wasn't that long ago, but still <laughs> wish I had it. Yeah. Well, check out that book and let me know what you think of it. Cause, um, cause I would like to know if it's a good resource for you so that I know whether to, you know, to recommend it to others. Cause it's like, I think most of the, I I read sex books often just because like, I don't have that much knowledge. The only knowledge I've had is the four years of experience that I already have. And that's not mm-hmm. a whole lot. <laughs> Cause it's like, at the same time, I'm also bisexual. It's like, I'm attracted to women, but the only like lesbian in my life is my sister and she's not doing anything. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, most of the books that I've read are centered towards like normal sized or smaller women Mm -hmm. and how they can interact with people, but they don't like take into effect like mental. I mean, obviously they don't take into effect like mental issues that you might have with your body or your body type or any kind Mm -hmm. of things like that, which would be super helpful. And once again, we come up against this issue of fat phobia in our culture, even though a significant portion of the population is over a size 14, um, the media and books and all of that are not made for that because so much of the focus is on, well, then you should be smaller so that then you can consume what we already have instead of being realistic about the fact, but this is my body. Let's, let's learn how to use the body yes. I've got. Yeah. And it, but it's like, I, I also love the fact that like in previous podcasts, you mentioned literatica because it's like, I thought that was just something I used. And I was like, Holy crap. Yay. There's other people that are just normal people. Yeah. And it's yeah. It's so nice. 
And uh, so what are some of the um, tags that you search in Literatica so that other people might know where what kinds of things to look for? Uh, well, I remember whenever I was first starting it, or like I was actively searching for something like that, that I was just looking for books, I think. Like something that had a sex scene in it, because like I only had like teenage books yeah. to read from. So I think whenever I first started, I found it by searching just for like erotic stories or something. And, like, boom, that's literally the name of the website. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I first started with like super simple things. But it's like there's things that because that's something that's that's always like bothered me, but it doesn't bother me so much now that I've listened to your podcast and it's like some things might interest you, but it's not something you would actually want to do. Yeah. So like at the beginning, I was first just like exploring like girls and boys. Cause like, mm-hmm. I've never had that experience. It's like, I actually, I'd never seen a penis until I met my husband. So it's like, that's not useful. So it's like <laughs> at the same time I was looking for like, actually like anatomy. <laughs> what is, what am I actually supposed to do physically? And like, at the same time, it was also looking for like, stimulus for me like what should I what am I interested in so it's like I think I began with like big boobs or just sex or um just super simple things I don't even remember but it's like when you go on there you can pick what category you want like do you want Mm -hmm. fetish or incest or whatever and I think I just stuck to like lesbian sex for a long time because that was always what interested me because honestly like PIV always, I don't want to say it stresses me out. It's not like the most attractive thing to me, I guess. Cause like, just cause I, I had never had like a male, like body in my head. It was always yeah. just another body. So it's like yeah. the only body I knew was a girl body, which was my body. So it's like, that was always what attracted me, I guess. Cause that's the only thing I knew. Mm-hmm. But I think I just started exploring all of those different tabs and I was like, there's this tab, there's this tab, there's this tab. And then I got to the incest tab and that always turned me on. But like at the same time, I'm not attracted to my family, my family. And that always caused me like issues. Like, I don't think I've admitted that to my husband or like fetish things. Like those are things like that turn me on that interest me. But at the same time, it's just not a line I'm willing to cross right now. Yeah. And so, um, this is not something that we've ever talked about on this podcast before. So I'm going to break in here for a minute to talk about it, which is that incest porn is actually a major category mm-hmm. of porn. And, um, you know, I, I'm not an expert on this, so I can only talk from my own experience, which is that I have also found to some extent that that is a turn on for me. And that has absolutely nothing to do with whether I would ever actually participate in incest because I wouldn't. I have zero interest in that. It's like I can there- think of every single family member I have and it's just not, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, but nothing. it is something for me. It's something about the um, dominant subservient that uh, way that a lot of those stories are told mm-hmm. that for some reason that 
hits a switch for me. And I want to be super clear because I think it's important for people to hear this. Mm -hmm. Just because you are interested in reading those stories, just because that gets you a little worked up does not mean that there is anything wrong with you. That is one of those things where you can have something that gets you excited that you're not interested in, in exploring in real life. Um, and there is no data that suggests that just because you read those stories, it then leads you to explore it in real life. Um, that, that just doesn't exist. Yeah. So, and it's so yeah. frustrating because it's like growing up in like a modern culture, like things are accepted, but it's like, that's one of those things that's never been accepted. It's not okay. But at the same time, that, that was always something that kind of interested me just because it made me excited. Mm-hmm. But it was like thinking about those kind of things growing up or like as a teenager in high school, whatever, it was hard to come to terms. It was like, I felt so dirty doing these kind of things, but it's like, it's on here. People read it. It's, it's okay. But I just don't think I ever came to terms with that until I listened to your podcast. Yeah. It's actually one of the most popular um categories on the various porn sites like Pornhub, incest, Porn is one of their most popular and most searched categories. Because that's something else I like about Literatica is like in these categories, you can look at tags that people do. So you can just look mm-hmm. at all of the tags. But what I like about it is that the more popular it is, the bigger the, the, the font is. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, immediately what is the most popular and what is not popular. So it's like when I was exploring, whenever I was first doing it, I think I just clicked on those big major tags And I liked exploring those first. And then I got slower and lower and lower Mm -hmm. in all of these different categories, just so I got some kind of knowledge in my head of like, what is this? What am I missing out? What does this term mean? I don't know what that means. Yeah. So it's just kind of exploring at the same time. Awesome. I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability. And I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one 
Whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So I'm going to transition us into the Q&A. You ready? Yes. Do you have sex during your period? If I'm in the mood. Okay. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? One. (laughs) I wish it were more, but one. What's your favorite sex toy? Um, I want to say anal plugs. Or butt plugs, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. What's your favorite sex position? Mm, I think I like doggy the most. Uh huh. Are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? Passive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be active, but it's definitely passive. <laughs> Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Uh, mostly clit. Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Most of the time, yes. Unless they're just super sensitive for some reason. Oh, okay. Like around your period or something? You know, I've never really noticed that. I've never noticed that they're more sensitive, but it's more like the more they're played with, the more sensitive they get. And it's like, Uh when it gets to the point, whenever like it's rubbing against my shirt, it's a no-go. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Uh, generally it's easy. I mean, for the, I want to say for the first like three, it's definitely easy, but like once you get past that, it's super hard. So you are a Mm multi-orgasmic person. Mm -hmm. It mainly depends on the day, but for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever faked an orgasm? Yes. Why did you do it? Uh, mainly because I had never done it. I, it was, it was not that I faked an orgasm. It's that I faked how good it felt, I guess, like how vocal I was. I definitely sure. affected that, but it was, or just because I didn't want them to feel bad. Like sometimes yeah. you can tell they're working so hard to get you off, but it's just not going to work. And like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. Yeah. So do you still do that? Very rarely. Most of the time I'm just like, okay, we're done. Yeah. You can go, but I'm not going to go. It's, I'm, I give up. Yeah. But yeah. Can you orgasm from intercourse alone without additional stimulation? Uh, I can. I usually try not to, though, just because I prefer the orgasm that comes with clit stimulation rather than Mm -hmm. just intercourse. Sure. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Definitely sex with another person. What kind of touch do you enjoy most? Um, Actually, I think I enjoy, like just like soft pats or not pats. Uh, I want to say like non-sexual touch, but just like hands yeah. raising against my body or just very softly 
touching me wherever, anywhere Mm -hmm. is great. But at the same time, I also like aggressive stuff. So it's like most of the time I want to say just anything soft. Yeah. Okay. What are your hard red lines? The things that are absolute no's for you? Um, right now, I don't want to say there's anything off the table. It's more like, have I, like, if we explore something, we'll go slow. So I, if for me, it's, I don't really feel like it's my red lines, then it's his red lines. Uh huh. Um, so it's like, we don't really do anything wild. So I don't know. I want to say right now, I would say it's probably sex with another person. Mm-hmm. We might like go out and do something, but we won't be able to do it with another person mm-hmm. together at least. Are there sexual things you've tried that you don't want to do again? Mm, I don't think there's anything that we've tried that I wouldn't do again. We might not do it often, mm-hmm. but I don't think we, it's never been like a hard no. How do you feel about the idea of your partner masturbating without you in the room? I'm fine with it. I do it. You might as well do it. <laughs> How do you feel about your partner watching porn? I'm fine with it. it. Most of the time, like I don't think there's ever anything that he would watch that would bother me that I either mm-hmm. I haven't seen or I haven't been interested in that he would be. Yeah. Do you have hair down there or are you bare? I definitely have hair. <laughs> it's too hard to shave. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a threesome or more? Uh, no, but I want to. Mm-hmm. If you were to have one, what would the gender makeup be? Your preference? Uh, we've actually talked about it and it would have to be a girl. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I would ever want another boy unless I'd already had a girl. So I think because I know we've talked about it and he's always said he would be interested in seeing me with a girl. But at the same time, I've never been with a girl. So it's like it'd have to be me with a girl first. Before me and him and her. Yeah, sure. Do you enjoy giving blowjobs? Not especially unless I'm in the mood, but I can do it. (laughs) What do you not like about it? Maybe I'm just not used. I don't know, like, if something I do actually works or if it's, like, just, like, the general feeling of what I'm doing that's worked. So it's, like, I will try different things and I can, like, pin him questions like is this doing something is this doing something can you feel this is this doing anything he's like yeah it's good it's good yeah like so you're not helping me if whether or not i'm doing better or worse yes it's it's just it's such a frustrating thing because he's so vague about his answers and like i want to do this better i need answers yeah but he's just like oh it's all good it's all good (laughs) my my partner is really good about giving me feedback about blowjobs in particular but pretty much everything else he's the same way yeah it's good yeah, I like it. It's like, good. That's not helpful. Like that's not helpful. Like, can you actually feel this, or like, yeah, <laughs> is it just nothing? He was like, "Oh, I can feel it. It's nothing." Normally, <laughs> if he if he gives me any feedback, it's like I can feel too much teeth, or I can feel your fingernails, or something. And it's like, thank you. Uh-huh. I already knew that part. So I'm just testing you now at this point. <laughs> when you give a blowjob, do you swallow or not? Not unless I'm feeling like especially grateful or just have very proud of him or something. Like it's a very special occasion if I swallow. (laughs) Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? 
Uh, not really. I wish I did. I don't know if it's just because I don't have very much experience with that or if he's doing it wrong or if I just don't like it. It's just something I haven't really figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Do you ever worry about how you smell or taste? Uh, not particularly with him unless I'm on my period. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly more when I'm like out and about and I can just randomly smell myself. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... Unless I'm just like extra juicy that day or something, I'll be self-conscious about it. But most of the time, not. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about receiving ass play? I like it. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. How do you feel about giving ass play? I would love to, but he is so hard against it. He's like, no, absolutely oh, really? not. Does he think that that would make him gay or is he just squeamish about that part of the body? I think he's just squeamish. Like it was just kind of funny because like going to the bathroom is like his favorite part of the day. <laughs> like <laughs> like he looks forward to like taking a bath and going to the bathroom and like pampering himself in the bathroom. But it's like at the same time, he just doesn't want me down there in that area. But it's like, I, like I'll poke him in the butt sometimes and I'll be like, no, no, you can't do that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> someday. <laughs> what do you consider the kinkiest thing you enjoy? Uh, would you say like physically or like reading or something? Either. Uh, physically, we haven't really done anything kinky except for uh, like exhibitionism, I guess, in in physical. And then probably like fetish, like reading about it, fetish uh, diapers. Mm-hmm. That's always been frustrating with me, but it's like that's something I enjoy reading about, but it's not sure. something I would do. Sure. Uh, do you enjoy do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? Um, neither of us are really good at it at this point, so no. But <laughs> yes, that is something that would interest me if we got better mm-hmm. at it. Do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters? Yes. Have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you? Yes. What was it? Uh, just reading and enjoying different things that like I was always taught not to enjoy sure. or that just wasn't something I was taught about explicitly. So it's like, is this okay or is this not okay? It was just always vague. Mm-hmm. So mainly just reading about different subjects that I didn't know about. Yeah. What is your favorite part of your body? Uh, I'll say my eyes. My face, I guess, which is frustrating because it's like I don't like any part of my body, really, especially. Mm. But it's like if I had to pick, I'd probably pick my face. I probably would have said my hair, but I just bleached my hair for the first time. (laughs) So it's like my face. Uh, So nobody else can see you, but I can see you. And you are so adorable. You You are just so just like sunshine and light. But it's like, I'm really energetic right now. I've got adrenaline rush. We're doing this, this serious <laughs> yeah. talk. And it's like, I'm high right now on yeah. adrenaline. It's like, but like most of the time, I'm very serious. I'm a very shy person. <laughs> People don't talk to me at work. They're like, oh, is she mad? She's, she's angry all the time. I'm like, no, I'm just quiet. You can talk to me or not. It's okay. What is your least favorite part of your body? Definitely my stomach. My my boobs don't really bother me, but they are kind of like flabby just because they are part of my stomach, I guess. Uh, but it's definitely my stomach. Okay. What is something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? Mm, I really wish that I could 
get him off more times than he does. Most of the time it's like we save him for last because he only goes once. Yeah. So it's like I could I could work on him all night and he'd only go once and that's it. Mm-hmm. But like with him, we usually with me we usually do me a bunch of times before we do him because that's part of his sex part that he likes. It's like he likes mm-hmm. getting me off, but I like getting him off at the same time. But it's like I can only do it once at the well, very what about, end. Yeah. What about playing with him and stopping just before he gets there? I, we do that, but at the same time, once he does orgasm, he's done. Like he loses mm-hmm. all interest. So it's like if yeah. I don't get off before him, then. I, I, he feels bad about it, but it's like, he just cannot get back into it to help me. Yeah, so sure. it's like, I don't have a choice, but to go before him. But at the same time, I want to get him off maybe two or three times at least mm-hmm. to like make, make him feel like the way I do. Yeah. Yeah. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? I definitely wish I could go tell her that it's okay to think about Cause it always made me feel dirty. So it's like, mm. you don't need to, uh, group marriage with sex so early. Cause it's, it's okay to mess around and go have sex friends and go explore different things. You don't have to wait for marriage. Essentially. Excellent. Vin, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. It was fun. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. 
Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>